Hey, did y'all miss me? No. You do know I was gone last Sunday, right? I was on vacation. Scott preached a great message. I appreciate Scott, and I listened to it, and it was good. And another thing I appreciate about Scott is he doesn't mess up my headset when he preaches. We both have the same size melon head, and I don't have to make adjustments. But we are starting a new sermon series today called Greater Reward. And I want to start off with the blink contest. Okay, the blink contest. We're going to see who can hold their eyes open the longest without blinking. So the way we're going to do this, we're going to start off. We'll all have our uh, hands up. And everybody put your hand up here, and when you blink, you put your hand down, and so the last person to put their hand down already blinked. Last person, so put your hand down when you blink, and the last person with their hand down wins. So, um, no, just put your hands down. This is, you're taking too long. You know we're in church. You have to be honest about this, right? But the reason I, the reason I want to think about blinks is because the, the Bible says that it will happen in a moment, in an instant, in the blink of an eye. And what's he talking about? He's talking about, Paul says, when Jesus returns, we're going to be changed instantaneously. The, the generation that's still alive when Jesus returns. There is going to be a generation. So all the past generations, it's not them. They passed away. They've died. Could be us. Could be our generation. But it'll happen that soon, that quickly, no long, drawn-out process, just one moment we're here, and the next moment we're changed, and we're in eternity. Same thing happens when we die, when we die, instantaneously. One moment we're here, next moment we're in eternity, in eternity. So what then? That's the question. What then? Now, there's only been one person who has come from eternity here on earth, lived a life here on earth, and then returned so that he is the one who can tell us things definitively about what we can expect in eternity. Have you ever seen on social media, somebody might pose the question, if you, your current self, could go back in time, you could go back in time to your past self at some point in the past and and give your past self a message that might help them, help you on your journey through life, what might that be? For instance, if you had a time machine and you could go back to 1984 and say, hey, you, uh, Apple stock is four cents a share right now, you might want to load up on that. That kind of thing that might be helpful for one's future. Well, Jesus has told us things about what is to come that can help us in our life right now. For instance, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Now, have you ever given much thought to those rewards, the rewards that will be received by Christians according to their works? I think a lot of Christians have not necessarily given this much thought. I grew up going to church. I was going to church since I was seven or eight years old, all through junior high school, high school. But I never heard any teaching that I can remember in all of those years on the the biblical teaching on rewards. It wasn't until I got into my 20s and I was in college that I started hearing about this and learning about this. And it's like there was a It's like a treasure, a buried treasure in your own home. Say, oh, it was there all along when you begin to discover and think about this issue of rewards. So we're going to spend three or four Sundays on this, but what I want to do this morning is set the table. We're We're going to look at the big picture about God and his rewards. Doing so, I think, clarifies four things. 
four things. Now, starting with number one, the, the four, or the six rather, main events of our forever life. We'll call these the six main events of our forever life. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, a believer or an atheist, doesn't matter. Every person, according to the Bible, is going to experience these six events. So let me just tick these off real quickly. Event number one is life. I'm created in the image of God for a life of purpose. We will continue to exist in life as body and spirit. 1 Corinthians 7, 34, Paul writes, Be holy in both body and spirit. So we have a dualistic nature. We have a physical body and we have a spirit that comprise our person. Number two is death. The second event, death. Obviously, we're just hitting the highlights here. There's a lot that happens in between life and death. But I die physically but not spiritually. We are more than organic matter. Our spirit continues. James writes, the body without the spirit is death. So this definition of death is when the spirit leaves the physical body. The body returns to the earth. The spirit goes on and lives on. Number three, destination. My destination, our destination, determined by what we believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So after death, our soul either is going to be in paradise or it's going to be in Hades. Jesus said to the thief on the cross on the day that they died, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus told the parable of the rich man and Lazarus and he said the rich, rich man died and he went to Hades. So immediately, one is in a, a place of glory and the other is in a place of suffering. Number four, event number four, resurrection. I receive a resurrected body. The time will come when all the dead will hear the voice of the Son of Man and they will come out of their graves. So everybody gets a body. The good people, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And hopefully our body and the next body will be prettier than our body is today. All right, but we get the new body. And number five, repayment. Repayment. I receive my reward or retribution for eternity based on what I did on earth. For the Son of Man is to come in His glory with the Father of His angels, and then they will repay each person according to His conduct. And finally, six and finally, eternity. I will live reaping the consequences of my beliefs and actions on earth, Jesus taught. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So this sermon series deals with number five, the repayment based upon our works. How does all that work out? That's what we're going to be looking at. Now, obviously, from this big picture, another truth is clarified. There is a connection between what happens now and what happens later in the next life. Call that the now and later connection. Jesus said, blessed are you when people hate you, exclude you, mock you, and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. That doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody rejoice and leap for joy because they're cursed? or because they're persecuted? Well, it doesn't make any sense, but that's because I left off the next sentence in what he was teaching. He goes on to say, For indeed, your reward is great in heaven. Now, those eight words make all the difference. Some of you are counting them right now. Your reward is great in heaven. That's the connection. And notice that this is a personal reward. It's individual, and it's based not upon what we believe, but upon what we do. So if I bless someone who curses me, there's a reward. If I curse someone who curses me, there's not 
a reward. If I endure that persecution with faith, there's a reward. If I don't, there's not a reward. Now, this teaching on rewards based on works is not based upon some obscure verse in the Bible. We're not cherry-picking. We're not proof-texting. We're not taking one verse and building a whole doctrine around it. It is the consistent teaching of Jesus and the New Testament. I'll just give you two or three more examples. Jesus said, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If you do, you will have a great reward. He said he will reward each according to his works. Jesus said you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus said you will be blessed for you will be repaid at the resurrection. Now, next Sunday, we're going to do a deep dive and word study on what it means by reward and what it means by repayment. And it's very interesting. But today, just the big picture. So there's this now and later connection, a cause and effect. One author has called it the law of the unbreakable link. That our choices here on earth and our actions have a direct consequence on our life in eternity. Think of it as the law of, like the law of gravity. Law of gravity. Law of gravity is working whether we believe in it or not. Whether we're aware of it or not. We could, we could be totally ignorant about the law of gravity. The law of gravity doesn't care. It's still going to operate. It's still going to be consistent. Anybody see Wicked? Uh, the musical play Wicked? Anybody got culture in here besides me? All right. All right, somebody. All right, so Wicked is a musical play based on The Wizard of Oz. Basically, asked the, the, this question: Are people born bad, or do they become bad? And it's about Elphaba, the Wicked Witch of the West, and how she got to be so wicked and all. And in the climactic song in the musical, is it's called Defying Gravity. That's her song, and she gets on that broom and I'm defying gravity. And she, and on the stage, they do a special effect, and she flies up in the air, and she sings this great song. It's all about defying gravity. And everybody at the end of the song, it's the, like, like I said, the climactic song, yeah, she's defying gravity. But it's all make-believe, of course. It's all special effects for the play. Because you and I know good and well, you can't defy gravity. If I get my broom and climb up here on the top of the church building and jump off, and I'm singing, I'm defying gravity, gravity's going to sing a very different song. And I'll pay a price for that. Now, there is, there is a law of the unbreakable connection. There is a connection between what is happening here and what we do here or what we don't do, what we believe or don't believe, the actions we take or that we don't take, and what we're going to experience in heaven. That law is at work whether we understand it, believe it, or not. Nobody saw Wicked. Anybody see Jaws? You know, I see what the culture level here is at our church. All right, it's a 40 or 50-year-old movie now. But in Jaws, I want to show you this scene from Jaws. And don't worry, you won't have to put your hand over your, you know, your kid's eyes. It's no, nobody, there's no blood. Nobody gets eaten. You don't even see the shark. And some of you are disappointed already that that's, I'm not going to show those scenes. All right, but I'm going to show a scene because it illustrates a point that I want to make. And let me set this up a little bit. You who are live streaming, you're not going to hear the audio because copyright laws, we can't play audio when we show a movie clip. All right, so that's why you should be here in person right now. That would be a big help for you. Sorry, Mom, no offense. 
on this clip, the, the Jaws is about a big shark. It's, the big shark is Jaws. And they're out on the boat trolling. They're trolling to catch the shark. So you've got Captain Quint on the boat, and he's sitting there by the, the fishing rod. And then you've got uh, the Sheriff Brody is on the boat. He, he's tying knots. And you've got the oceanographer Hooper. He's on the boat. So they're all on the boat, and they're trolling along, nice and quiet. And then something significant happens. Okay, so let's roll that clip, and I'm come back and make an application. Okay, so we're going to need a bigger what? We're going to need a bigger boat. So here's the application for those who are live streaming. That as they're watching that poll, you hear a click, click, click. Just a small noise. Nobody notices it except Quint. Just this surreptitious click, click, click. That fishing line connects what's going on in the world below the surface to what's going on in the world above the surface. And those tiny little clicks, only Quint understood, portended something enormous, something huge. There's an old saying, big doors swing on little hinges. And there are things that we do that might seem insignificant. It might be really quiet. Nobody else even notices what's going on in your little corner of the world, things that are taking place. But God notices. And it is the, it is the line that connects what's happening here to what's going to happen in the world above. And God notices, and He's keeping track, and He's keeping count. Things that we think are small, little clicks, portend something huge. Jesus said, if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Now, if we really believe that and understand that, might that make a change, even a dramatic change in how we view the things that we do here and now? 
how we structure the next hour or the next day or week or month and the years of our lives. Everything God is watching and has portent. We don't have to worry about the future, and we don't have to wonder about the future. God has given us some certainties about what's going to happen and about heavenly reward. All right, so that's, that's big picture truth number two, the now and later connection. The big, truth, uh, big picture truth number three, the brevity and the longevity of life. The psalmist writes, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a, a breath. For my birthday, we went to River Ranch out on West 60 to the rodeo, the rodeo out there. And they've got the bull riding, bull riding contest. You know how you define a success, how do you define a successful bull ride? Well, actually, if you live, that's successful bull ride right there, if you don't die. But yes, if you want to be in the money, you have to stay on that bull for eight seconds. And while we're watching, it's just going by like that. I'm sure when you're on the back of the bull, it's a different perspective. Probably seems like a lifetime trying to stay in a bull for eight seconds. But some of us understand the, the, the different perspectives that we have on time as we grow older. The Bible says most people are going to live 70 years, maybe 80 years if you're lucky. Some of us may be on borrowed time going way beyond that. Hey, that's great. But if you said you, you broke down your 80 years and they were kind of like every 10 years was like a second, okay, like it's eight seconds. Now, some folks like me, I've already lived six of my seconds and I have about two seconds left to go. And when you're young, when you're like, Young like Journey over here, and you're looking at 70 or 80 years in the future. That seems so far in the future. But when you, the closer you get to that end, you know, it, it doesn't seem that far. And it's, where did the time go? It went by so fast. Life is so brief. Our life here, here. But we know from the biblical teaching that life stretches on and on and on. It, it, there is an eternal life. And this is not original with me, but one way to think about this and to, to kind of illustrate this is, is like with this rope. If the, the rope here represents eternity, eternity, starting here. So this, this is the beginning of our life. We haven't lived from eternity, but we had a beginning when we were born. And then life is going to stretch on and it's, it's connected to that door. But just imagine that this eternity goes through that door and wraps around the earth a couple of times and then heads out toward the sun and then take a ride through the Milky Way and off to where no person has gone before, on and on and on into eternity. But on this end of the rope, we have life, our life here on earth. And I've painted it red, and I don't know if you can see, about an inch of it is red. And that represents life here on earth. And how many people live their life here on earth, and all they think about is this one red inch. And I've got to work and scrimp and save so that in the last quarter of an inch, then I can have some fun. Right? I don't want to outlive my money, so I want to make sure I'm all ready. I want to invest and make sure I'm ready for that last eighth of an inch. And that's okay. I have an IRA too. We need, to, we need to save. We need to be prepared. But we give all that time and attention to the, the red inch. How much time and attention are we giving to the mile? How much investing are we doing 
for eternity. Just a little bit different perspective. In the 3rd century A.D., the year of our Lord, about 286, during one of the Roman persecutions of the Christians, there was a Roman commander named Maurice, and he was instructed to carry out a persecution against a, a group of Christians up along the side of a cliff. He handed over his insignia because he himself was a Christian. He went and joined the Christians and was martyred. Uh, they named, in Switzerland, they, there's a town called St. Maurice that's named after him. Why would he do that? Why would he voluntarily shorten his life? Nobody knew that he was a Christian. Right? Because he wasn't living for the inch. He was living for the mile. The Hebrew writer writes about people like that in Hebrews 11. All these great people continued living with faith until they died. They didn't get the things God promised his people, but they were happy just to see those promises coming far in the future. They accepted the fact that they were like visitors and strangers here on earth. When people accept something like that, they show that they are waiting for a country that will be their own. If they were thinking about the country they'd left, they could have gone back. But they were waiting for a better country. So God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. Larry Moody writes, We're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We are in the land of the dying going to the land of the living. The final truth that's clarified by the big picture is the keys to the future are belief and behavior. Our belief and behavior. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, for you are saved by grace through faith. That is not of yourself. I mean, that means that salvation is not of yourself. It, the salvation, is the gift of God. Not by works, but by faith. We're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work which God prepared in advance for us to do. So our belief determines our destination. Our behavior determines our compensation. Now, the rest of this sermon series is going to be about that behavior and the rewards. We're going to do a deep dive into that. But before we wrap up today, I just want to make sure we're all squared away on the belief part and the destination part. That's an important part as well. People do not have eternal life in the first place because of their good behavior, because of their good deeds, our, our good actions and our works. And the reason for that is it, it can never have anything to do with our, uh, the gift of salvation is because our problem is sin and the wages of sin is death. So we've come under judgment. And by death, the Bible means eternal death and hell. And if I commit a capital crime and I'm sentenced to death, I'm not going to be able to negotiate with the judge, hey, if I, if I have 10 years of good behavior, will you commute my death sentence? No, you cannot. You're not going to do that. Somebody's got to die. Somebody's got to die. Now, reincarnation... You know, they, the Hindus understand that you have to pay for your sins through suffering. And the way they do it is by coming, if you haven't suffered enough in this life, you've got to come back and go through another life and suffer some more. And if that's not enough, come back in another life and suffer some more. That's why the Hindus over in India, they don't do anything to help those who are suffering. Hindus don't. They're supposed to be suffering. That's how they're paying for their past sins. But in Christianity, Jesus, the Son of God, suffered and died and paid our penalty, the penalty for our sin so that we could be forgiven. And our eternal life is given to us as a gift, as a gift. It grieves me and it's sobering to me that people can come and 
be in the church here with us and hear my preaching for months and months sometimes, sometimes even longer. Attend church, sing songs, sometimes give money in the offering plate, maybe even be involved in some kind of a ministry and have never received God's gracious offer of pardon and salvation. When Paul writes in Ephesians that we're saved by grace through faith, that word faith is pistis in the Greek, sometimes translated belief, sometimes translated faith. Those are synonyms. Here it means faith is the faith response to God's offer of salvation. There are four gospel commands to obey. Believe the gospel, repent of sin, confess Jesus as Lord, and be baptized into Christ. And I think of Noah in the Old Testament when he was told to build the ark, you know, build the, build the, build, build the big boat. And he did, and then the day came when God said, now you need to get in the boat because the flood's coming. Can you imagine if Noah argued with God at that point? I don't want to get in. Why should I have to get in the ark? It's going to be awful funky in there with all the animals. How long do I have to stay in the ark? He didn't argue with God. He just got in the boat. People are get busy sometimes building the the church? They're not even in the church yet. That's when we're baptized into Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit places us into His church. We have to obey the gospel commands to accept God's gracious offer of pardon. Peter writes, God was waiting patiently for people while Noah was building the big boat. Only a few, eight and all, were saved in the boat through the flood water. And that water is like baptism, which now saves you. Baptism is not the washing of dirt from the body. It is asking God for a clean conscience. It saves you because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. So, just one more reminder. I know sometimes we forget the announcements and whatnot, but today is Discover Sunday. So, if you've been checking us out for a while and thinking about a church home, maybe that's Vera Christian Church. We do this the second Sunday of every month. Go out those doors, take a right, go to room W2, a 30-minute presentation about what we believe, how to get involved should you choose to do so. We want to make sure we're all squared away. We'll just talk about how a person becomes a Christian and what it means to be a member of the church. And we'd love to be a, a part of that.